I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. We are broadcasting live today from the American Legislative Exchange Council event in downtown Salt Lake City. Uh, we've hit a wide uh, swath already in hour number one. Uh, of course, uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor of California, was here to kick things off uh, in a rousing speech by the Lieutenant Governor uh, Mark Robinson from North Carolina. And now we're getting real local. Uh, very pleased to be joined by Utah State uh, House of Representative uh, Leader. <laughs> Kira Berkeley joins us. Uh, this is your first ALEC conference. How's it going so far? It is. It's my first conference, and it's awesome to be here and feel the energy and be around people that want to talk about local solutions and, and not big government, national D.C. solutions, but what can states do to improve their lives of their constituents? Yeah, we were just noticing uh, that uh, the uh, back in D.C. there's a big, massive uh, bipartisan bill that they finally have text for. Looks like they'll vote on it within a couple of hours. I'm sure no one will read any of it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But we, one of the things that I love about the ALEC conference is this idea of getting different state legislators together to brainstorm best practices. This worked. We advanced this. Uh, tell me about some of the conversations you've been having. The hallway conversations to me are what really matters at this <laughs> it's event. true. The hallway <laughs> conversations are super helpful. So one of the bills that I'm looking at running will be what I call the Equal Access to Justice Bill. And it basically says that if you sue Utah's government, whether local, school, whatever it is, you're, you're, and you prevail, you're going to have your attorney's fees paid. Some states do this. The federal government does this, but we don't have this uh, in Utah. And so I'm getting lots of pushback um, here locally from a lot of attorneys and, and you know, things like that. I can't but, imagine that. Right. But in talking to other legislators about specifically this legislation, you know, what, what makes it work? What does prevail actually mean in their state? All those intricate parts of it that's going to make it successful is really helpful to me. Um, and I, I think it will help me create the best bill possible. Yeah, and one of the other things I love about this conference is it's a great opportunity for Utah to shine. Uh, Utah has been part of ALEC for a a long time. A lot of the legislative leaders have been uh, leaders as part of ALEC. Uh, But it's one of those where we get to showcase hey, Utah is this great laboratory of democracy and that we can have smaller government and bigger citizens and stronger communities. Uh, What are people asking you about uh, kind of the Utah model or the Utah way? I love that I get to be here as a representative of Utah because we are number one for 14 years in a row. And and that's, you know, I can't take much credit. I've only been in office for not even two full years. But as anyone in Utah should be proud of what we're accomplishing here in our state. I love that they come and say, you know, how do you handle, you know, your fiscal policies? It's just everything and anything that they want to know how we've made this successful. You know, a lot of people are bringing up the Second Amendment. And they're like, well, you've already got the Second Amendment covered. How yeah. did you get that done? And really, it's about who we have elected in our state. The voters in the state have been careful when they're at the voter booth. And that's that says a lot about the people who live here. Yeah, it's amazing. So many people are asking me about... Uh, 
voting in the state and how that gets done. And we've been able to do that by mail in a host of different ways. Uh, Health care, things with uh, balancing LGBTQ rights with religious liberty, uh, immigration and refugees. And uh, Utah is just such a great model in, in so many uh, of those spaces. But I'm going to shift topics on you now uh, because you are heavily invested in basketball, volleyball, coaching, refereeing. Uh, and it is the Olympics and nobody loves the Olympics more than, than Utah. Uh, but I want to talk specifically to some of the women's issues that have been coming out of the Olympics. Yes. Uh, I noted yesterday, and this is important for all of our listeners to get straight, if the U.S. women's team was a country, it would still lead the gold medal count over all the other countries. Yes. Just the U.S. women. So there's real yes. power there. Uh, but we've seen some, obviously some challenging things with uh, Simone Biles. Uh, but we've also seen great feats of courage by many of the women in these games. I love how so many women's teams from around the world are standing up and saying, no, no, we don't want to wear bikinis. The yeah. men can wear shorts. Why do we have to wear bikini bottoms? You know, just anything and everything where we can say women shouldn't be treated as anything different than a man does when it comes to how they show up and appear. Our abilities are certainly different, yes, and we should be proud of those differences, but we shouldn't be put on display in a way that's different than how the men are. And so I'm so proud of them. I'm proud of, honestly, I know that the left is jumping all over and proud of Simone Biles, and so people are trying to steer clear of that. Like, we can't also, for conservative, be proud of Simone Biles, but I am. If it was my daughter and she overcame so much in her life, a former foster kid, that's a, something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, you know, every challenge and obstacle she's overcome in her life has led to this point. I don't think she's taken her decision to step back frivolously yeah. and said, oh, I just, I'm not feeling it right yeah. now. Right? It had to be something deep. And to have a woman show that she's willing to say, I can't go that far. Yeah. I can't do this. To me, is a massive, massive help to many young women out there. You know, Utah just spent, I think, a million dollars mm. on mental health for women who leave athletics. Yeah. Wow. Simone is the perfect example of why that's there because everyone is out there saying she shouldn't have quit. She's a quitter. We're calling her a quitter. We don't, Wrong. we've got to look at the whole picture here. Why are women feeling yeah. the need to push themselves to the breaking point? Yeah. And I'm proud of her for not doing that. Yeah. So, and I think we've, we lost so much in the conversation about, you know, this tragedy of, oh, you know, she worked all these years and did all that. Uh, and, and I've been challenging it that we keep focusing on this happily ever after moment. Uh, and it's not about that. It's just about happily. Yeah. And and I think one of the most important things for everyone who's saying, you know, this is a tragedy. She worked for an extra four, actually an extra five years uh, rather than walking off into the sunset after Brazil. Uh, I think the fact that she has given voice to thousands and thousands of young girls who have been sexually abused. Uh, to me, that is the ultimate Olympic spirit. Absolutely. I mean, so she's not going to keep competing right here, right now. But what is she going to be able to call? She's more than just her Olympic medal at this point. She has created an outlet for so many young girls, and you got to be proud of her. I don't. I don't care. That's her personal choice, and she's. It's complex. I'm sure. Who are we to judge? (laughs) That's right. And we're all broken, right? Right. (laughs) We're all uh, just a little bit broken. Well, as we bring things uh, full circle, I just had to get an Olympic moment in there because there's not as many people who love sports as much (laughs) as I do, and so I appreciate you uh, giving us that little break there. Uh, But as you look at the rest of the conference, what are some of the conversations you're looking forward to to have with your colleagues from around the country? 
Thank you. Yeah, the uh, education pieces are going to be important. I know we've got, I'm excited for the discussion on affordable housing. There's some mental health uh, conferences that I'm looking forward to attending. There, there's honestly, there's a lot of um, just great dialogue here. That it's hard to pick. It's three days full of just good content and picking and choosing what's most important to the people here of Utah. Yeah, absolutely. If you're just joining us, uh, we're broadcasting live today from the American Legislative Exchange Council. Really thrilled to be joined by Utah House Representative Kira Berkland uh, having a conversation. Then uh, just we've got about a minute left, uh, Kira, and uh, you mentioned that, that on affordable housing. Uh, it's interesting that that's such a big piece of the conference and clearly something that. Uh, we're struggling with, uh, especially in downtown Salt Lake City, but around the state. Uh, what are what are some of the early things you're hearing there? You know, I think one of the biggest things is we need to have uh, better local control in our state. I think local municipalities will know best when and where they should be able to expand their zoning or, or change their zoning to better meet the needs of the people there. And that, to me, is something I hope we really delve in deep is what what's good zoning and, and how mm-hmm. government can pull itself out of it and and honestly be a resource to the communities instead of a big brother to the communities. Yeah, absolutely. Great insight, as always, from Kira Brooklyn, uh, Utah House of Representatives. And uh, part of this great conference here, the American Legislative Exchange Council, will continue to broadcast throughout hour number two. Uh, also, Steve Hayes from The Dispatch, New York Times bestselling author. You probably see him a lot on Fox News. Uh, he's going to talk about everything from the January 6th commission to uh, the brand new multi-trillion dollar uh, packages that are coming out around transportation and uh, much more to come in hour number two here on Inside Sources. And uh, Kira Brooklyn, again, thanks for joining us live today. Thank you. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and step aside for top of the hour news. And as I mentioned, when we come back, Steve Hayes, uh, founder of The Dispatch, best-selling author, uh, he's going to help us break all of this down in kind of an Alec kind of way of how do we get the big federal government out of the way so that these laboratories of democracies in the states can thrive and succeed and create a society that's better for all of us. Stay with us. Much more to come in hour number two of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.